have a Bible tonight, open them to the 37th chapter of the book of Genesis with me. If you don't, it'll be on the screen behind me. Genesis chapter 37. <clears throat> Amen. From verse 12, the Bible said, And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said, Here am I. And he said unto him, or to him, Go, I pray thee. See whether it will be well with thy brethren and well with thy flocks. And bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron and he came to Shechem. And a certain man found him. And behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, they are departed hence. For I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren to find them and found them in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, when his brothers saw Joseph coming way down the trail, way down the road. Before he got close to them, they conspired against him to slay him. If there's one thing we should not have to worry about is what might transpire in the fellowship of our brothers. Joseph is on a mission from his father. He's just doing what his dad told him to do. Anybody know tonight that we're supposed to be about our father's business all the time? And Joseph was just being obedient to his father's command. And when his brethren saw him coming way down the way, they said one to another, here comes the dreamer. Here comes the dreamer. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him. Cast him into some pit, and we're just going to make some excuse like, some evil beast has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. If we should be safe anywhere, it's in the company of our brethren. But that was not the case for Joseph. I'm going to talk tonight from this title, You're Dreaming. Look at somebody say, You're Dreaming. Bless your good name, Lord Jesus, tonight for what you're doing and what you've done. For the word of God, the mercy of God, the presence of God, the people of God, the house of God, the spirit of God, and the truth of your word. We're thankful tonight for what you want to do, what you plan to do what you desire to do, and help us, God, to be receivers of that plan 
not opponents to the will of God, but recipients of the word of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God bless you. You may be seated tonight. You're dreaming. At some point in time, my sabbatical, Brother Plale, thank you. At some point in time, I was reading over this set of scriptures, and near the end of it, as crazy as it may sound, a non-audible voice began to talk to me internally. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say once in a while you get an inner unction? Something is there making you lean left or lean right or pay attention here or forget something over there. I'm talking about an inward witness, not an outward audible voice. But internally, for days, it just kept rattling around in my mind. What has become of your dream? I've heard many preachers, some here in the house, some in other places try to explain to me or to explain to people in general what revival is. And I just, I always leave conversations like that or listening points like that desiring a little bit more. I feel like it's wrong of you and I in ministry to try to confine revival to one opinion, to one outlook, to one observation. Revival is anything God wants it to be, and we should just be in line to receive God's will. But the Word spoke to me and kept speaking to me. What has become of your dream? Please endure for a moment. Last Sunday, a week ago, I preached about the mind and what goes on in the mind. But in my mind, since I heard that internal witness, I began to answer myself back. Anybody? I know you do, so it's a silly question. But you'll get a thought in your mind, and you'll start rationalizing with that thought. I should do this today. And then you start thinking inside, well, I've got something else that's pressing, and I've got this engagement and that appointment. It used to be, it used to be, Brother Rick, that when you walked down the grocery store aisle and someone was just talking into the, into the air, you used to think, uh-oh, get out of this aisle. But now, they're, most of the time, they're on their phone, you know. And... But inside of my mind, I began to rationalize. Wait a second. What do you mean, what has become of my dream? This is the things I was talking to myself about. And concerningly, concerningly, I said things like, hey, I've done my job. I have not abandoned the flock. I have not ran away from situations. I'm having this conversation in my mind now. But sometimes doing your job, Brother Trace, means doing more than just doing your job. Sometimes being a good parent means doing more than just the little bit expected of you to be called a good parent. Sometimes you've got to do more and push the boundaries out. The writer of Proverbs 29 said that without a vision, people will perish. I've stayed home. I haven't tried to travel. I've been invited here and there. I, they offered to pay my way to general conference. I don't even have any desire. I'm not trying to get you to pat me on the back. I'm telling you what I was doing inside my own mind. 
I have preached. I have studied. I didn't preach one time that I didn't put hours into everything I studied. Maybe you didn't think it was that. But I did. I prayed, I prayed, and I prayed. I prayed for you when you were sick. I prayed for you when you're weary. I'm trying to keep people in tune with God that are walking away from God. Some of you sitting here tonight, you don't love God like you used to love God. I know that. It grieves me. It burdens me. And I'm having this conversation in my mind. God, I... I, I think about those people. They're walking away, and I, I try to love them. I try to turn up my affection toward them. Those that are getting cold and walking away from the fire, I haven't ignored them, God. I haven't, I haven't you know, deleted their text. I haven't just ignored their phone calls. I've tried to love every one of these people. I'm just telling you what's going on in my mind after hearing repeatedly. What has become of your dream? I've gone out of my way to love people that most of us in leadership are ignoring. I, I don't know if you want, to, want me to go there tonight. I don't know. I'm not sure. But I'll just, I'll just leave it like that. I've tried, to, I've tried to love people that weren't pretty that aren't shapely, that aren't educated, that aren't wealthy. I've tried to love people that everyone else will look and see no value in you. I don't need your pat on the back. I'm telling you in my mind, this is what I'm saying. Wait a second. I've done my duty. But I kept hearing inside of me, not audibly, inside of me, what has become of your dream? Hey, PPC, you want to talk about dreams for a moment? I wish he was here tonight. I just felt so strong about this. 1990, around there, 1989-90, Lyle, Pastor Lyle O'Connor, who used to pastor this church, your brother-in-law, your sister's ex-husband, called me up. I was assisting Pastor Churchill and said, the Palmer Pentecostal or it wasn't called that then, but the, the church at Palmer. Thank you, sir. The pastorate is open. Back in those days, if you know anything about the United Pentecostal Church, it wasn't kept a district secret. They had a monthly magazine called the Herald. And the back of the Herald, all church openings were listed. And Brother O'Connor, I had preached for him numerous times in Palmer as an evangelist. And he said, the church is open. Are you interested? I thought it funny. I thought it funny that all that advertisement going on and the only people that said, I'm interested. Yeah, no one wants a church of 30 people with no income. You got to work just outside job. No one called from the state said, I'm interested. No one across the district, no one from Anchorage, no one from other churches called said, I'm interested. I'm just telling you what's going on in my brain over the, over the time when I was off, all right? But how it is a different story now, huh? Such a different story now. I could show you a couple texts from preachers that have, that have been here and 
Pastor Mendenhall told me when he left Sunday, hours after he'd left Sunday morning, he said, wow, that church is a blessing to people. That church is a blessing to preachers. That church knows how to get with the word of God. That church knows how to respond. Yeah, yeah. They want this church now. I'll tell you what, Brother Playo, if no one else is listening to me tonight, I want to tell you, I've been here 31 and a half years by God's grace. 40 years, it seems to me like it's something, if it's God's will, I'm going that way, man. You may not like that. You may think, oh, I've been trying to pray you out of here, Pastor. Watch out. Watch out. God might turn that ill will on you. Anyway, you want to talk about dreams? I'm thinking this way internally. I asked my dad to pray when Brother O'Connor called me and asked my dad to pray. My dad wasn't a dreamer. My dad wasn't a speaker. My dad didn't want any attention. I said, Dad, would you help me pray? This church is open. The, the man has offered it to me. If I'm interested at least to come and see what the congregation thinks, my dad said, I'll pray. It wasn't a couple of days, Brother Rob. My dad called me and said, had a dream. I had a dream, and I said, oh, okay. He said, and it is in direct proportion to you asking me to pray about you going and trying out what they call it for the church in Palmer. It's a sad day, and I'm, I'm trying to stay where I need to stay tonight. It's a sad day, though, when congregations get to the place where they can tell men of God with a calling on their life, you're just not for us, you know. I mean, uh, I've been in churches, I'm on Facebook tonight, who knows who's watching. I've been in churches where the board ran the pastor. Heaven forbid. I'd rather sell groceries than, than bow my knee to a board that's carnal and wants to control the pulpit. No, a thousand times no. And my dad said, I want to tell you about my dream. He said, you were a little boy again, Ron. You had a white t-shirt on. He said, you were playing out in the yard. We used to live on Lazy Mountain, Brother Carlisle. You were playing, we were playing out in the yard, you were. And he said, there was a big, like, pit in the yard. He said, it was a hole. He said, I just noticed you playing near the edge of that thing. And he said, the longer you played, he said, the more concerned I got. And he said, you fell off into that pit, little boy. My dad told me, he said, I went up to the edge of the pit, looked down. He said, you were literally covered in snakes from head to toe. This is my dad now. My dad doesn't. My dad's not the guy if he catches a 12-inch trout. He doesn't tell you it was 16, all right? He said, you were covered in snakes. He said, I started praying in my dream. And for some, somehow, he said, I reached down and I got you out of that pit. And he said, when you, when you came up out of that pit, he said, there was no snakes on you. He said, I was lifting your T-shirt up. I was checking on your legs. He said, not a single bite. I said, what are you trying to tell me? What, that, what does that mean to you, Dad? He said, I'm telling you, the Lord told me, you take that church. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to keep my hand on you. I'm going to cover you. I'm going to shelter you. You'll be in things and sit. I'm talking about dreams tonight. I wish Brother Richard Penwarden was here tonight. Back before we, before they built, you guys built this sanctuary and got it all finished. Brother Richard came into my office one day. He said, Pastor Herring, I had a dream last night. And the Bible does say, let a man that has a dream tell it like a dream. 
And Brother Richard told me, he said, Pastor Herring, I had a dream that you were standing. He pointed this way toward this pulpit that wasn't here yet. He said, you were standing up there, and there was a big light behind you. And he said, I turned and looked out across the congregation. He said, all I could see was a sea of people. I, I, I don't, I'm not fishing for approval. I'm telling you what the man said in the dream, all right? But all through that, that voice kept asking me, what has become of your dreams? What has become of your desires, your ambitions, your crazy dreams? And when I say crazy, I mean in a good way. Let, allow me to digress for a moment. Just sidestep and stop and connect the dots here. Joseph is a man, a young man. Historians tell us somewhere between 16 and in his early 20s. He's a kid, respectfully speaking. You've got a patriarch that's second to none in Jacob. In the book of Jeremiah, the Bible said when all the persecution from outlying countries came against Israel, God called it the time of Jacob's trouble. Jacob was a man among men. Yep, he was a rebel he fought the will of God. He, he was deceiving, supplanting. But since when has God asked anybody he calls to come in perfect? Hmm? Since when? And Jacob has sent Joseph to check on his brothers. An innocent enough act. An innocent enough idea. Just go check on them. I need to know about their well-being, their welfare. It's a mission of mercy, if you'll allow me. Check on your brothers. It may not be convenient all the time for you in leadership to check on each other. And I don't mean your little posse. I don't mean those that think like you. Thank God for our youth leaders tonight. I'll tell you what I've noticed in them. I'll tell you what I've and you've seen this too. It's not just them, but just because I'm thinking of it right now. I, I've seen love that they have to all extended, all right? Not just the wealthy, the beautiful, the people that drive nice cars. They love people. They love people. Don't know how you turned out so good, boy. mom back there. I better be on my best behavior with you. I remember coaching Little League one time, Brother Anthony, and we were in the office. And I don't remember the age, but they weren't too old kids. And uh, there was a hot dog on the team. And his dad was his home coach, you know. He had everything. The most expensive batting gloves. You know, he, nine-year-old boy, $250 bat. And he was a skilled little kid, but he, his head was a lot bigger than his talent was. His dad had been telling him, you're great, you're going to MLB, you're destined, you're going to be movies, spout you and superstardom. And I got to deal with this brat. He wanted him to bat first, pitch every game. Well, we're in the All-Stars, and there was a couple of kids, they, they were like kids with two right hands, two left feet. 
They couldn't. They, you put them in, guarantee you the first hit's coming their way. I guarantee you Destiny's going to send a line drive their way, and they're going <laughs> to. I don't I love underdogs. I love the underdog. I love people that don't have everything going for them naturally. I love underdogs. I love people that, that can't explain their way out of a paper bag. They, they, they poor and they're broken and they, they have nothing to offer society. And so I yanked Superstar out of the lineup in that all-star game and I subbed in one of these kids with two left feet. I know I saw his dad just sitting in there. He, he, he never even watched the rest of the game. He just beamed at me the whole time. And sure enough, as soon as the game was over, I'd like a word with you, coach. People. People. Well, you talk about a mission of mercy. You talk about environments that should be welcoming. Joseph is sent innocently to check on his brethren. He's not expecting to be rudely awakened, but his brothers hate him, Brother Marshall. They hate him because of Jacob's favoritism towards him and Benjamin, but they really hate Joseph because of his dreams. This is that kid, you know, that's just, he's just, he's just dreaming. He seems to love God more than what's normal. And as Joseph approaches, they, they see him and they start to mock Joseph amongst each other. Here comes the dreamer. Here comes the goody two-shoe. Here comes the church boy, the Bible thumper. Here he comes. Here comes Joseph. And they get this plot amongst them. Let, let's get our hands in on this. Let's shape or reshape destiny. What do you say? Let's see what become his dreams when we get involved. So they say, let's, let's, let's strike the boy. Let's take his life from him and put him into a pit, and we'll all say this is what happened. The Hebrew word is B-O-W-R. B-O-W-R. It literally is translated cistern. Cistern. It was a well dug in the ground, not to fetch water that would come up from beneath, but to catch rainwater from above. It was intentionally developed to be a cistern, not to bring up fresh water, but to catch fresh water. In one of those cisterns, they said, we'll throw his dead body. Reuben has enough sense. I'm in your Bible. Reuben has enough sense to say, don't kill the boy. Just rough him up, bloody him up, put him in the pit. Brothers like that. Bible said in Jeremiah 2.13, God scolded Israel because they used broken cisterns that could hold no water. They were indicative of selfish dreams. Me. God's going to use me. God can't use anybody but me. They intended the pit, Brother Larry, to be his grave. Listen to this. If you don't catch anything, listen to this. 
History often shows that villains in life who thwart or at least attempt to thwart prophetical words that God sends often cause the word to come to pass by their own desire to stifle it, unquote. (laughs) I said what these murderous siblings actually did to Joseph was cause the prophecy to come to pass. What they really did, what they really did intend was to kill the boy and get his dreams out of their life. And by their evil intention, God made or manifest his dreams to come. Joseph said this in chapter 50, verse 20 of Genesis. He said, you meant all this to kill me. Yeah, you did all this so I would die at your murderer's hand. But God meant it for my good. (laughs) Did you hear what I just said? God said, I took what they were trying to do to you and brought about my will in your life. I brought prophecy to pass by all their evil-handed intentions. Proverbs 26, 27 in the Good News Translation. Amen. People who set traps for others get caught themselves. Can I get an amen? People who start landslides. So all of this intention, rough him up. Break the heart of his father. All because he just sees beyond the here and now. Not, I'm not talking about hocus pocus seeing. I'm just talking about dreaming great things for God. And I look at this story and I thought, yeah, what exactly has become of my crazy dreams? Whatever, whatever I ever do with the fact that God can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or even think. Brother, let me tell you something. You and I, we can do some thinking. We can do some imagining. I, I, I'm going to step way out on the limb, all right? I, I am not here because of any other reason tonight than to tell you what God's been dealing with me with since this night or moment or time in my, on my, in my sabbatical. I just kept thinking, why not 500 people in the Palmer Pentecostal Church? Why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? What has become of your dreams? Huh? What has become? I told you what one pastor said to me over when we were still over there. And we were building this, this sanctuary. And he said, how many is the new building going to seat? And I told him, three, 335, 350, whatever. And exactly without being prompted, he said, that's big enough for Palmer. That's, that struck a negative chord in me. <laughs> and I'm sitting here telling God, but I've done my job. And God's saying, really? Have you? Have you done your job? You want to know why sometimes people get cold in their soul in the backslide? They put their life, 
their life with God, their walk with God on cruise control. We're here. We've got so much. We're comfortable. We've got prayer meeting night. Here we are. Signs of the time of the service is on the sign. You want to come? Come on. And God is saying, what has become of your dreams? Are you satisfied with this? Why not 500 people? Why not another building program? Why not the, the balcony packed to the gills? Why not? And here's what I tell God. God, I'm willing, man. I'm willing. I'm here. I'll do it. I'll go beyond. I'll pray more. I'll do more. I'll invite more. I'll pass out cards more. Whatever. Joseph dreamed. Daniel dreamed. Solomon dreamed. Mary and Joseph dreamed. Job dreamed. The prophets dreamed. Old men dream in Acts 2. Acts 2.17. Old men dreams. Dreams. Hey, Palmer, you know what? It's all right to dream again. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me for ever putting anything on hold. Forgive me, Lord, for listening to so much negative stuff. In my own mind, I'm talking about it. And rationalizing with God that this amount of work I've done should meet the needs of today. God can do great things. I'm I'm trying to tell someone, help me pray. Start praying with me. Start talking. I don't care how crazy it sounds. I I feel like God told me, everywhere you go, I want you to start thinking me. I want you to start thinking about the number 500, Ron. I want you to think about it when you're eating supper. I want you to think about it when when you're sitting at the noisy goose. I want you to think 500 when you're preaching, when you're teaching. When you're praying, I want you to think about 500 when you're at home, when you're shoveling snow. Think about 500 when you're... Anybody with me tonight? I'm telling you, God can go beyond anything we ever dream, desire, want, work for. And I've got to give you this scripture, and I'm going to stop. Job. I love this 33rd chapter of Job. It's beyond just good. It's powerful. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men. You ever get up in the morning and go, I had a crazy bunch of dreams last night. You know what I'm going to say here. If they are crazy, if I eat late, Brother Larry, if I eat late, it doesn't matter how healthy it is. If I eat late, crazy dreams all night long. You told me about something the other day. Crazy dreams. And I don't bother calling Brother Larry up and say, can I share a dream with you, brother? Because I know what promoted or provoked those. But this is not talking about Taco Bell dreams here. When deep sleep falls upon men and slumberings upon the bed. Tell me God ever takes a moment off. We're like, I just, I don't feel good. I need rest. Didn't sleep good last night. You, you, do you know what I'm talking about when I say sometimes you might get eight hours, but you wake up feeling exhausted. Like, I need some sleep. 
God looks at it as just an opportunity to talk to us. When deep sleep falleth on me and the slumbers upon the bed, then he opens the ears of men and sealeth their instruction. So I know for sure, Sister Alexis, that sometimes when God's talking to me, I know that I know that I know that I know. And you may think I'm crazy, but when I know that I know that I know, I just hear like a bunch of brethren saying, oh, here comes the dreamer. God wants to do it with us. But God will do it in spite of us if we don't believe him. Somebody got to believe with me tonight. I'm thinking 500 in the altar, in the office, in the, in the truck that I drive. I got 500 on my brain. I'm telling you, God can do anything, everything, and all things. What has become of your dreams? And you know what God did? He made those murderous, conniving, villainous, bloodthirsty, blood-sucking brethren bow to Joseph. What's become of your dream tonight? You're dreaming. I wish somebody was dreaming with me tonight. Yes, sir. still on here. We love you from Facebook tonight. Hope that, hope that uh, your soul was fed some way and somehow. God bless you and good night. Praise the Lord. Let's stand tonight, would you please? Anybody? Anybody want to get on board with me tonight? You're dreaming. What has become of your dreams? In the name of Jesus. In the name